So we're going to rewind okay. just a little bit, really suck it, and sum su summarize what we said before because our sound disappeared okay. for just a few seconds. So this is Brad. <laughs> he is, uh, he is the, one of the founding pastors here at King's Church. I'm Meg. I'm one of the other founding pastors here at King's Church, and we're excited to be here live with you this morning. Thank you guys so much for your patience and your grace and mercy over the last number of weeks. We have gone from doing everything in a, a live setup as a traditional church to suddenly pretty much feeling like we're sitting in a, uh, in a TV set. Our tech team is unbelievable. They come in one at a time or two at a time at night and set lights, set up a stage. Um, it really is amazing in here. But sometimes we have a few bumps along the road so if we do just let us know let the tech team know they work on stuff as fast as possible to get us back but um, we are excited to be here on Easter morning with that's you that's right and of course spring is one of my favorite times in the bluegrass those of you that live in Kentucky you know what I mean this is fantastic everything comes alive the good thing about being at home in quarantine is we have a lot of time to do yard work and and work on our on our home and um, on our flower beds and whatnot um, it's actually kind of funny because all the projects I keep coming up with, I need stuff for. And so I can't do those projects. So we're like doing the stuff that we don't have to go anywhere for. Like lots of yard work. That's it. Lots of yard work. And it, one of the things we were, we were talking about earlier this week is when we moved into our house, uh, I think seven or eight years ago, there was this beautiful established grapevine that was growing just a few, a few yards away from our home. It was beautiful. The base was a good four or five inches and when we moved into the house uh, you know in the summer it was this canopy of grape leaves that stretched a good eight or ten feet and of course there were grapes all over this thing it was it was wonderful I remember I remember eating those and thinking and of course I'm new uh, you know I'm new to the new to the property new to uh, to uh, being a grape farmer <laughs> um, and I remember reading and trying to trying to get some understanding of how do I how do I care for this you know how do I tend and prune and care for uh, for this grapevine and I learned a little bit I learned about how to prune it and how to cut it back and you know how you know grapevines tend to live and I, and I remember the first year I did this I felt that I was a little bit too ambitious with the pruning shears I felt that I had cut way too much off and I was afraid you know back in the fall when I was when I was going to town just cutting stuff away I was like oh man I've killed this plant and the spring rolls around and you know things begin to grow and I'm, I'm looking you know, at the first sign of spring, I'm looking for signs of life in this, in this uh, grapevine. Uh, and if you know anything about grapevines, they kind of have the shaggy, you know, a little bit of a shaggy bark on there. So it's really hard to tell. Some of the things are kind of brittle. And I'm like, I, I was convinced uh, when I began to look that, indeed, I had done this grapevine in, that I had over pruned <laughs> it. It was not going to come back. And I was about to cut it down one day. And you complained all the time about this. And, Ma and Meg came in and she said, no, leave it alone. It's not time. It'll come back. Leave it alone. And I was like, I don't think so. Look at this, Meg. And I would snap a little branch and it would be kind of dead. She would leave it alone. And sure enough, that first year, she was right. That first year I would come back and, you know, a few weeks later and there would be little signs of life little little buds of green fresh green verdant growth just coming out of this thing and then within a few weeks the growth was phenomenal and my canopy was back and my and my grapes were back the sad thing is I would repeat this story about every year not would, about every year every year I would prune and I would come back and I would look and I would feel like this is it I've, I've, I've actually overdone it this time I've killed the plant and Meg would say no leave it alone it'll come back and I would wait and sure enough it would come back so all that to say Easter is a time of 
new births and new beginnings. Things come alive. And I think, I know God has built his created world to remind us of that. And I, I want us to look at a story in the Gospels this morning, if we can, uh, that just sort of helps remind us of this. Um, if, we, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and, and open them up to John chapter 11. If you don't have the Bibles, we're going to do our best to get those scriptures up on the screen here. This involves a story of a dear friend of Jesus, actually three dear friends of Jesus. I, I like, first of all, I like to know that Jesus has some really good friends. You know, he has a lot of disciples and we kind of feel like those are the, you know, the ones that are called to ministry. But these three, they're not, they're not, they're not disciples. They're not, you know, they're not going to really do anything. They're just friends of Jesus. And it's a beautiful thing to think about. And in this story, Jesus gets a distressing I would say phone call, but he didn't get a phone call. He gets a distressing report about one of his friends. Maybe you have had those. Maybe recently you have you know, a, an urgent phone call or a text or an email saying, look, something bad has happened. This happens to Jesus too. So let's take a look at this beginning in uh, the first verse of John chapter 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So they know what, let me, let me interrupt here, they know what to do. This is, this is awesome, you know. They have the insight to say, Jesus can help us here. And they send word and they, they say, the one you, they remind Jesus that this is not just some random person this is your friend. This is Lazarus. You've, you've been at his table. We've all, you know, we've stayed up late night talking about the kingdom of God. Jesus, this really good friend of yours is sick. You need to come right away. And it doesn't say this, but I, I'm thinking they're, they're just, they're convinced this is all they need to do. If we tell Jesus something is wrong, he's going to come to our rescue. And I know sometimes in our life, we feel that way. We feel that if we just pray out a prayer, he's going to fix everything. But look at what happens next. Uh, verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. i got to admit to you, that, that verse has always bothered me because it doesn't make sense. In my, own, in my own mind, what that should say is this. It should say, you know, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he dropped everything and ran to the situation. Shouldn't, shouldn't, it, it seems like that's how things should be. It seems like that whenever, whenever we have an emergency, shouldn't God drop everything and just come right away and, and fix our situation? Especially, you know, especially the ones that God loves. God loves us. He loves his children. We're friends of God. That's what the Bible calls us, friends of God. And if we're friends of God and we, we cry out to him, shouldn't he like just stop what he's doing and come and help us and, fig and fix this? But it doesn't say that. It says, when he heard this, he stayed two more days. As if to say he changed his plans on purpose to delay. And this has been really hard for me to, to kind of read and to process because, you know, we, we have the hindsight of knowing the end of the story, but imagine being in this situation. Imagine being, first of all, imagine being the disciples, you know, these ones that are with Jesus here at this place. 
They know Mary. They know Martha. They know Lazarus. They know how much Jesus loves them, and they love him. So when the word comes, they're, they're packing up their bags. They're getting ready to go. They know that this is a big, this is a big deal. This is a, this is a, a critical situation. So they're, they're getting their stuff. They are, right, Jesus, let's go. And all of a sudden, he turns them and says, Hold, no, guys, actually, we're going to stay here a little while longer. Unpack your bags. Set back up camp. We're, we're not leaving yet. And I'm, I'm willing to bet that that probably caused a little bit of uncertainty and some disconnect and some, some dissonance in their own heart. Thing, wait, wait, Jesus, didn't, don't you understand? The report, Lazarus, he's sick, we got to go, come on. And Jesus saying, no, we're staying here. And we're going to skip on a little bit more to, uh, let's go on to um, verse 17. Actually, no, I'm not going to read that. That's where Meg's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> but let, let me talk about this a little bit. I'm, I'm getting ahead. When he gets there, we'll read this in a minute. When he gets there, he finds the situation has just gone from, from bad to worse. Not only is Lazarus sick, he's actually been dead for four days by the time that he arrives. He waited on purpose. We know that now, but the disciples didn't know it at the time. His friends didn't know it at the time. When he shows up, they come into essentially a scene of great despair and wailing and turmoil. Not only is there the grief of, of the, the loss of this brother, the, the, the loss of this friend, um, there's also this sense of frustration that it didn't need to be this way. And he goes, and these two sisters, grieving the loss of their brother, then come to him independently. They, they both come on their own, and they say basically the exact same thing. If you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. If you would have come when we asked you to come, Lazarus would still be alive. And I'm thinking, I'm wondering, how many of those if you'd only situations have I had in my own life? Have we had in our lives? Maybe you have had those if you'd only kind of things, you know? God, if you'd only, if you'd only let a different diagnosis happen, you know, if only I had a better job. If only, you know, I, I, I had this kind of relationship instead of the one that I'm in. Then things would be different. Things wouldn't be as, as, as bad as they are. You know, we, we know in our minds that, that, that things aren't supposed to be uh, quite as difficult, but we're just, we, we, we become angry. We become disillusioned. God, why? If only, if only things would have been different. If only you would have showed up when I prayed. If only you would have shown up when I, you know, when I, when I cried out to you, when I fasted. You know, if only you would have intervened in this situation when I called all of my family together and, and asked them to, to help me. But you didn't. And now things are really bad. I think it's okay to feel that way. Mary and Martha feel that way. They go to Jesus feeling this way. They go to Jesus with their anger, with their frustration, with their hurt. So... Anyway, the story, the story goes like this. Jesus goes, and he, he, he begins to comfort the two sisters. But the Bible says something very unusual. He, so, he, he says that after he goes, he finds Mary weeping. He finds her just, just, uncon just, just sobbing and in despair. And, 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 and he, the Bible says that, that he is overcome with grief. He is over Another translation says he is overcome with anger. 
Mm. He says, take me to him. And they go and, they, and, and they, they, he, they, they show him where the burial place is. And he goes and he sees all the mourners. He sees all the people wailing. He sees his dear friend wailing. He sees Mary and Martha that, that are just, you know, their hearts are being ripped open because of this. And then the Bible records the most power, two of the most powerful words, I think, in the New Testament. The shortest verse in the Bible, if you, if you know your, your trivia, Jesus wept. You ever think about what that, what that really means? That Jesus is weeping. Jesus is sobbing. And I, in my mind, in my, in my mind's eye, this is not just one of those, you know, little silent tears that kind of come down, you know. Like, he's not like the stoic Superman who just doesn't have emotion. I, in my mind, I just see him just sobbing alongside of these, these two friends and the people that are around him. What does this mean for us? I think it's this. I think, first of all, we need to remember that although we are surrounded by death, we are surrounded by brokenness, we are surrounded by hopelessness, Jesus is there with us. And he's not just standing in, in, off in the far scenes. He is in the midst of our brokenness. He's in the midst of our hurt, and he's weeping alongside of us. Even though we know now, you know, we know the rest of the story. We know that he can do something about it, but that doesn't change the fact that he sees your situation. He sees where you are. He sees the pain that you're in, and he is grieving alongside of you. He is, his, his, your tears become his tears. Your hurt becomes his hurt. I think that's an amazing thing as we look at that. You know, it's interesting. When I was in high school, I remember a word that we would use um, in English, and it was foreshadowing. And we would talk about how something in a story was giving a glimpse of something that was to come in the future. And I think that's what we have right here. There's a taste of something that's to come. So I want to jump ahead a little bit. I know Brad started to get there, but I want to go there now. So let's jump into the middle of the story and see something that happens here. I'm actually going to start at 17, and then I'll catch up. So John 11:17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them at the loss of their brother. Now, if you remember, culturally, people would gather together, but there was also like paid mourners, right? So there were people screaming and crying out. And, and really, I mean, it was a, it's a big deal, all right? And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? It's interesting. Let's go back into that just a little bit right there, because I think Jesus said something very specific to, to the sisters here when he is speaking to them. Um, if we go back in there, it says, your brother will rise again. Now, right there, Martha's answer is a little interesting to me. Um, I have a teenage daughter. And I love you, Emma. I know you're watching. But I know that sometimes even with my tween and my teen, when you say something and they know the answer already, there's a little bit of an attitude that can come out. So even in the words like, yes, ma'am, 
like sometimes you just get this feeling that there's just something underneath it, right? So Mary and Martha were friends of Jesus. They knew him well. They had, they had eaten with him. They had sat around a lot while he was teaching. He, they were with him when he was teaching intimately with just the close group. And they were there when he was teaching broad to the big group. And so they knew his answers. They knew that. And I can see right here, I feel like he's telling them something. And Mar Mar he's telling Martha something. And Martha answers a little bit with like a religious spirit to it, with a little bit of a religious background, right? Like, yeah, yeah, God, I know what you're talking about, Jesus. Yes, he will rise again in the end times with everybody else. We already know this, right? Way far off in the future, one day disconnected to what's going on now. Mm -hmm. He'll be back. I got it. And uh, I wonder how often I live that way, right? that I am the one that has kind of that teenage attitude that's looking at God going, yeah, I know what your word says, but do you see me right now? I know that eventually it'll all be good, but right now it's not feeling very good. Right now it doesn't feel okay. Don't tell me about the future. Look at my circumstances right now. And, and I think, so let's jump back in there. It's, it's like, it's like she's, she's saying, don't you see? Don't you see? I feel like her hope is gone at that exact moment. And how often do I live with hope being gone, right? That I don't feel like he sees my need right now. And although there may be hope for eternity, my hope in this earth, in this life, with my family, with my friends, with my health, with the prognosis, with my job, that hope is being beaten down with a stick right now. God kind of cares but not in a one day, but not today kind of way. And so Jesus answers her. In fact, he does this a lot, right? He kind of turns it back around and there's a lot of places where he answers with the I am statements. But right here, he answers with a several I am statements. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Then he looks at her and very pointly, blankly says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And I think that he's looking at us today. Do you believe this? Do you believe that when your hope feels crushed, that what I say I will do, I will do? At that exact moment, Martha had a choice to make. And at this moment, we all have a choice to make. When the body is four days in the ground, everybody knows what's going on there. It's not pretty and it doesn't smell good, right? Death and decay and chaos, it's, it's part of our life here on earth. It, it's like gravity, right? When, when that apple fell out of the tree, it fell to the ground and starts to rot if something doesn't catch it in the in-between, right? But once it hits the ground and it bruises, it starts to rot. When stuff dies, it heads towards chaos and disgusting grossness. That's how our world works. But Jesus says, I've come to be that in-between. I've come to catch this. Do we believe that it's too late? When the answer hasn't come on the 11th hour. And I'm wondering how many of you guys live 11th hours like we do. Brad, you and I have had some 11th hour moments. Mm. 
In fact, as we're sitting in here this morning as part of King's Church, and, and those of you that are part of our, our church family that usually meets here, you'll know this, but we're a pretty young church plant. In fact, I was laughing this morning that just the few of us in here, it sort of feels like stepping back a couple of years of planning. Like we're just, we're not a, an old church. We're not a, a really long established church that's had years under our belt. We're pretty new. And, and some of those times it's just, We've waited and asked the Lord, 11th hour moments, we need you, Lord. We need you to show up. And, and for our body, for King's Church, we've seen God move in the 11th hour a number of times already in just the two years that we've been a body of Christ together. I wonder if you can think back in your own mind to times that you thought, and maybe, maybe you don't even know the Lord this intimately. Maybe you don't know. And maybe there have been things that have happened in your life that, that you didn't even know God was working in that. And right at the last minute, there was just a shift. Right at the last minute, something happened. I'll be honest. I have a friend that I grew up with um, out in New Mexico. And last night, she and her beautiful family, they were in a car wreck. A, a drunk driver just hit them, um, sideswiped, took off the front of their car. And she posted pictures just a few minutes later on Facebook. And, and you know, of course, there's a lot of reaction to that because there's her, her beautiful new little car with just like no front end left really to it. And, and it could have been so much worse. And I'm sure today she's sore, they're sore, but they were able to get out of the car with a little assistance. It was pretty hard. They got out of the car and she got her baby out of the back seat. And this morning they're all together at home, you know? And there are these times where something could be so much worse, but right at the end, it's not as bad as it could have been, right? But here, it was as bad as it could have been. Lazarus was fully dead. He had been in the grave for four days. It wasn't getting better. There wasn't anything that was letting it just like move on. And right here, I wonder if there are times when God allows delay, not to, how do I say this right? I don't want to get this, this is important. What if God delays in order to destroy our doubt, not to increase it? Let me say it again. What if God delays not to, in order, in order to destroy our doubt, not to increase it? When there is full death, we have no more hope. And then this is what he says. He steps in. Because God knows that a resurrected corpse is infinitely more powerful to my mind and my heart and is more life-changing to me than any healing ever could be. I have walked through some amazing times in my life where the Lord protected Brad or myself. Some stories where really I should be dead. And I didn't. He healed me back. And yet, the idea of coming back from death to life is infinitely more life-changing. And here we see full death. It's one thing when we pray to the Lord and say to heal a headache. And, and, and you guys, you know, those of y'all that know me, that with my migraines, sometimes the only thing that really seems to stop it is when Brad comes and lays hands on me and prays for me. And we feel, I feel those migraines back up, right? Sometimes the only thing we can do is to pray and ask the Lord to reduce a fever. How many parents out there have, have been at the end of like, do I take this baby into the ER? 
at 2 in the morning because fevers always seem to hit the worst in the middle of the night. And who wants to drive to the ER in the middle of the night with a fever? And there have been times we have literally laid hands on our babies in the middle of the night said, Lord, back the fever off. And whether it was a mix of that Tylenol or Motrin or the Lord's total hand, we've seen that fever back off. But what happens when the only thing left to do is that there is death? To raise from the dead, it's altogether different. And then right there we see one last thing. If you will believe, you will see the glory of God. And the next moment, Jesus removes every doubt as to his power over a death and the authority of her life. And he says, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. But here's the thing. We're at Easter, right? So you might be wondering, Easter isn't about Lazarus, is it? After all, Lazarus, get this, he'd one day he would die again. And at that point, there wouldn't be a dramatic voice telling him to come again. He would be prepped for burial again at some point. In fact, the blind eyes and the broken bodies, every one of the people that Jesus healed would again die. And at that point, Jesus wasn't there to heal them again. The cycle of life started over generation after generation. The lame man that Jesus touched would one day succumb to the permanence of the grave. So here's what I'm saying, guys. The greatest enemy wasn't leprosy. It wasn't the blindness. That's right. It wasn't the broken. That's right. It wasn't the disappointment or the ecstatic hope right then. That's not what Jesus was trying to impress upon the people around him. That's right. It wasn't even demonic oppression. The Lord came to set people free. But it was different. The greatest enemy was death itself. And I'm not talking death of the body. I'm talking Genesis 3. And we're not going to get into it now, but later go back and read it. Genesis 3 kind of death. The kind of death, spiritual death, that is total and is everlasting. If Jesus really is the resurrection and the life as he claimed, then the final enemy had to be dealt with. Spiritual death had to be defeated. That's right. And so, just a few days after he rose Lazarus from the dead and called him out, Jesus willingly turned and walked to his own. That's right. And then the story of, of that is, it's very fast and it's very brutal. He comes into Jerusalem for that last time. He spends that evening with his disciples there in the upper room. He breaks bread, celebrates the Passover with them. He gives them some final instructions, encouraging them, um, giving them some indication of what's going to happen in the moments to come. They leave that upper room and they make their way out into, uh, into the, 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 some of the hillsides outside of Jerusalem. There he is arrested. He is betrayed by Judas. He is arrested. He is taken uh, before the authorities. Um, he is flogged. He is beaten, horrendously beaten. He is uh, dragged before Pilate. Uh, the Roman ruler of the region, back and forth, back and forth throughout the evening. He is beaten again. He is mocked. uh, And he is sentenced to be crucified, uh, Roman style of execution. He is sentenced to be hung on a cross until he is dead. The Bible says that he's taken then to a place called Golgotha, 
That means the skull right outside of Jerusalem on a major entry, po- entry road coming into Jerusalem. This is meant as a deterrent. Thieves and, and, and rebels and revolutionaries uh, were, were often executed this way as a warning to keep the peace, as a warning not to break the law, as a warning not to rebel against the Roman Empire. And Jesus was taken there and he was crucified there on a hill. He was nailed uh, through to his hands and through his feet, put up on a cross surrounded by criminals on both sides. And there on, on, on that Friday, uh, the Bible says this, um, reading in Luke chapter 44, it says, It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. John also records some words that Jesus says during these final moments. John also says that Jesus looked up and said, It is finished. What is finished? We've been asking that question for a long time. His life certainly was finished in that moment. You know, the, 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 the ministry that he came to, to do and, 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 and this, this death on the cross, all of that was done, but Jesus had something more in mind. Jesus knew that the great plan, that great secret invasion plan, that, that secret weapon of upending the enemy's domain was now completed. It was the greatest secret invasion of human history. The death of death was defeated. It was complete. It was done for good. But here's a question. How does that happen? How does, how does the death of Jesus, how does the death of one person make any difference to you and I? How, do, how does it prevent that Genesis 3 death that Meg was talking about? What does that mean? What is, how does Jesus' death 2,000 years ago mean that I can really fully become alive? Two words, empty grave. That's how. You see, think about this. The empty cross, in other words, the cross that's there and the body that comes down, if we look at the cross, that proves the love of God. God loves us. That's why he died for us. That's why he came down in the person of Jesus. The empty cross proves his love. But the empty grave proves something else. It doesn't just prove his love. The empty grave proves his power. Because here's what happened. When Jesus succumbs to death, and the enemy thought, the devil thought he had Jesus done for, right? If I can get, the enemy's saying, if I can get Jesus in the grave, if I can snuff out his life, then everything is going to go according to my plan. See, that's the cost of sin. The cost of sin is death. For you and I, that's what we deserve. That's what you and I deserve because we have rebelled against God, and the cost of that is death. But imagine if someone dies that has no cause to die, that has no re- legal reason to die. Then he has no power to stay in the grave. The enemy has no power to keep him in the grave. And so he goes under and he comes up again. The empty grave means that Jesus has faced death and overcome it. He has gone under. He has stared death in the face and death realizes, wait a minute, I don't have a claim on this guy like I thought I did. He's not one of the normal you know, human sinners like I thought. I don't have a claim on him anymore. I can't hold him here. And Jesus says, that's exactly right. You can't hold me here. You have no claim. You have no legal claim to keep me in the grave. And so by the power of the Holy Spirit, God raises him up. There's a story I heard, uh, a funny little story about a father and son driving by, driving out on the country road, and their, 
they're passing a graveyard, they're looking at all the stones, and the young boy's asking, Dad, what are these? What are these stones? What are these, you know, headstones sticking up? And the father says, well, son, that's, that's, where, that's where the dead are buried. Their loved ones come and they put them down in the ground, and that's where, that's where they're buried. And they're driving along, and the son is thinking about this a little bit. You know, he's looking, and he's pondering this. And all of a sudden, they, they pass another part of the, of the graveyard, and there they see uh, that there is a pile of fresh dirt over to the side. You know, they're preparing for a funeral, and the, the, I guess the undertakers have come and dug up this big pile of the dirt. The little boy doesn't know this, but he sees it, and he says, Dad, look, one escaped. That's exactly it. One did escape. His name is Jesus. He escaped death. He escaped the grave so that you and I could do the very same thing. So let me, let me read this here in John chapter 4, if we can. John chapter 4, Jesus says these words here in verse 24. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. And if we were here in person, I would, I would say, y'all say, crossed over. That's exactly what's happened. We've crossed over. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Think about this like Lazarus. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. So Easter, Easter says something very, very extraordinary to the world. And it has nothing to do with the Easter bunny. It has nothing to do with eggs and chocolate and great sales at, on clothing or Easter dresses or anything else. This, the message of Easter is simply this. You, friend, you are dead in your sin. You are lost, you are dead in your sin, you are in the grave like Lazarus. But someone is coming who is speaking to you and saying, you can come alive, you can come alive again. You can get up out of that grave and come out because I have been where you are. I have died so that you don't have to die. And he said those, he said words similar to this in, in John chapter 10, he says, he, he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. I don't know about you, but I want that kind of life. I don't want just some random ticket to heaven, way off when, the end of my life. I want abundant life here and now. I want to come out of the grave here and now. And that's exactly what Jesus is offering to us. The voice of Christ says, come alive again. Leave your place of death. Leave the decay. Leave the emptiness of your life and come into new life. And that's, that's honestly, that's what Easter is about. It's not just celebrating that Jesus died way back when and that's so wonderful. It's also an invitation for you, friend, if you haven't yet, to say yes to this new life that Jesus offers you. And today can be a glorious day for you. Today can be a life-changing day for you. Mm -hmm. Today can be a shift that will mark something that you've never known before. You can experience life moving forward today, and you, 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 have, you, just, you have no idea what I'm talking about if you haven't experienced it for yourself. I want to encourage you, if you haven't done that, it's easy to do. 
It's a response of your heart to the voice of God. The voice of God that's saying, come alive, son. Come alive, daughter. Come alive, beloved. You're dead. You don't have to stay that way. My spirit is calling to you. And by faith, you can just say, God, I say yes to you today. I'm tired of being in my grave. I'm tired of being sick and, 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 and broken and, and hurting and lost from you. And I want to come alive again. And by his spirit, he's going to draw you out. Someone once said that Jesus is the original grave robber. He ruined every funeral that he attended, even his own. What if Jesus could ruin the funeral of your life today? I think he wants to. I want to pray for you about that, if, you can, if, if you're willing. I want to give you a couple invitations here as we're going to wrap this up. Thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, if, if, if we can pray for you about what we've just spoken about, I want to encourage you. You're free to post a comment there. Uh, and one of our team will pray with you, or you can send a private message to, to, the church, uh, to the church page right there, and we'll reach out to you and pray with you. But I'm also going to pray right now, and you're free just to join me in that. I want to I encourage you to, if you've, ever, if you've not ever considered the claims of the Christian faith, do it today. Do it today. Give it a chance. See what happens. The voice of God is calling to you. See what happens if you just take some steps in his direction. All right? also want to pray for uh, those of you that have any needs this morning. If you want to post those. I have um, my phone. If you want to post those there on the comment thread, mm -hmm. uh, we'll, we'll be praying for those here in the next few minutes. This is kind of how we end. Usually when we're in person, we're, you know, we'll, we'll have some prayer and ministry up here at the front. We don't have that, so we're going to do it remotely. Uh, mm -hmm. But God is at work no matter what. I want to pray for us then, and then we're going to get some um, I had a thought things. really sure. fast um, here, and I... I accidentally got kicked off the live stream, so um, here we go. But let me get back on there, and then we can see what's what's being said. I also have um, friends that are were have basically our prayer ministers are on our live stream right now, and so they're kind of paying attention to that. They're praying over you as well right now. Um, just if you're on there, and then they're gonna they can text me some stuff too if they need to. But um, the couple weeks before we started our quarantine time. We had been jumping into a, a series that one of the visual illustrations we were using was a door on stage, a single door. And uh, I loved it because we painted the door um, a beautiful green. It's been sitting down there in an empty room now for almost about a month, um, and completely empty except for this, this door on stage, um, just sitting there, closed. And I got to thinking how often there is a door in our life, an option to choose something, to walk through something, and it's just sitting there closed. And, and the Bible talks about Jesus coming to the door of our heart and knocking, and he's knocking. And what we have to do is to say yes. We just have to open the door. And then he actually does all the rest of the work. And it has struck me every time that I've walked into the sanctuary the last several weeks, um, when we've been up here a little bit, is that there's this closed door down on the stage. And how many of us sit here and look at a closed door in our life and we notice it, we get used to it, it becomes just part of our life. How many of us have, have hopes or dreams or fears, traumas that we've just closed the doors off to? And we're like, you know what, I can't go there. I can't think about it. It brings up like PTSD for me when I even process just a little bit that something could be there. And yet that's not the door you need to open today. 
The door that you need to open is not one to the hope that you've shut off. It's not one to the fears that you've locked away, kind of a mental filing cabinet. The door that needs to be opened today for all of us is the door that Jesus is standing behind because his That's spirit right. changes everything. That's right. And we don't know it till we've gone there. Good deal. That's right. Absolutely. Hey, friend, I want to pray with you. If you want to, if you want to, to, to make, this, make this move, pray with me in faith. All right? So, Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you have power over things that we don't have power over. Mm-hmm. You have authority, Lord, over the things that we simply yes, are Lord. powerless to. Yes. And we recognize, Lord, that we are dead and lost. Mm-hmm. We are broken human beings. Even in our best day, God, we do not measure up to your goodness and your love and your righteousness. We recognize, Lord, that we are dead in our sin. Mm-hmm. We are in the grave like Lazarus. But God, you're speaking our name. You're calling our, you're, you're calling our name. We hear your voice. Mm-hmm. And by faith, Lord, we choose to stand up and to walk to you. Mm-hmm. We choose to respond to the life-giving spirit that's stirring mm-hmm. right now in us. We don't have to stay here, Lord. You broke the power of the grave. You rolled the stone away. You didn't roll it back. It stayed wide open, Lord. We don't have to stay in that grave. We can come out. Not just come out the way we used to be, but Lord, we can come in and we can discover life as it is supposed to be. We've been made Mm -hmm. for this. We've been wired for this. Our DNA, Lord, craves life in you. And by faith, we say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to know about it. Please go ahead and and send us a message or post that on the comment thread. And we're going to take about three or four minutes right now here just with some some good worship going. We want to pray for any requests that have come in. So post those. um, And we're going to watch our thread here for just a few minutes and and pray for what comes in, okay? Mm -hmm. Oh, Father, I thank you. I thank you for your children. I thank you for generations of of daughters and sons crying out for their their generations around them in prayer, even today. Lord, I thank you for parents. Lord, even this morning, I was just thinking back to the last words in the Old Testament of the Lord taking the hearts of the children and putting them towards the fathers and taking the hearts of the parents, the fathers, and turning it towards the children. Lord, we pray for that now. Oh, we pray for a softening of the hearts of the generations, Lord. Oh, hear us, Father. Turn us back to our heavenly Father. Lord, we pray for Deborah and for her sons. Lord, would you allow them to remember the truth of their youth? Remember the truth, Father. Mm -hmm. Lord, we love Deborah. We love James. We love this family. Lord, would you move? Would you move in this? Lord, we pray for um, Anisha's family, Lord. Lord, for for just the exhaustion and the tiredness, Lord, that is is in with with her mother and her father-in-law. Walking as a caregiver is, is hard and it's long and it's exhausting. Father, I pray for hope there. I pray for hope to stir again. 
I pray for rest in your spirit, Father. Lord, I thank you for Sherry. I thank you that she's had a collapsed lung and pneumonia, and we as a body continue to lift her up and say, Father, move in this family. We pray for Mike. We pray for Sherry. Lord, just move. Lord, you be their God, and let them be your people, and just to worship you, Father. Oh, we pray that over our whole body, Lord. We pray that over the people watching, that you would be our God, and we would be your people. Anymore, feel free to post those in. Father, we just pray for healing, Lord, for the those that are watching right now, Lord. Those that are under any kind of physical affliction, Lord. Even those that are facing a diagnosis of COVID-19. Lord, we just pray for a special grace, a special healing grace to be upon, uh, upon those today, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for our first responders, for those in the health industry that are going to work every day, Lord. Yes, Lord. Those that are under uh, a greater risk. Father, would you protect? Spirit, would you protect? Mm -hmm. Give grace, Lord, for that. Mm -hmm. Lord, I thank you that when you open the doors in our heart, when we know the end of the story, we don't have to fear. Lord, we want to walk in the fear of the Lord. Father, give us wisdom, Lord. And what does that even mean? What we don't want to do is to walk in the fear of the world. Give us wisdom there, Lord. Father, would you move in the hearts of those throughout the Lexington and Kentucky area, Lord. Call us back to you. Call us back to you, Father. Lord, we pray for our country for the leaders in our country. Lord, we pray for unity. It's such a big prayer request, but Lord, we need unity in leadership, unity in heart. Father, we don't want to just talk out of one side of our mouth and act out of a different way. Hmm. Father, we lift up Robert and Horace Jones as well. Lord, you know their situation. You know the needs that they have. Lord, minister your love to them. Minister your grace. Minister your power, Lord, to every situation that they're in. Mm-hmm. Lord, just lift them up to you. Father, we bless your name. We bless your name, Lord, because of life that we have. Easter means something so different to us when we walk out of the grave through your power. Mm-hmm. Thank you for new life. Thank you for these friends that have joined with us today, Lord. I pray you would just let joy and love fill their hearts and their homes today. Encourage them, Lord. Comfort the brokenhearted. Encourage the discouraged. Be a friend to the lonely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. God bless you, friends. Thanks so much for joining in with us. We'll see you back here uh, next week. Take ah, care. No. We'll see before then. Before we have then. prayer on Wednesday prayer night. Prayer on Wednesday night? Yes. We have prayer on Wednesday night. We have a number of different things that are still going on, even though we can't be with everybody in person. So stay tuned for that. If you have a prayer request that comes up during the week, at any point, you can private message those to us. We have a prayer team to stay on top of that. If you have 
anything else that you need, you can go to kingschurch.net slash COVID. What is that? Just go to the homepage. Go to the homepage. Just go to our homepage and there's ways to get in touch with us if you need food, if you just need help, if you need something, if you're in our area and we can bless you or help you, please let us know. We love you guys and we are praying for you and we miss you like crazy. It has been such a blessing this week for the leadership team to be able to drop off some packets and stuff for our King's kids at the homes and just to wave at people and and to just love on people from a distance. I heard some of our leadership team just how excited they were. So we just love you guys. We're praying for you and we'll see you soon.